This program was produced by Knowledge at Wharton High School. For more information, visit kwhs.wharton.upenn.edu. Hi, we're here today with Sam Cox, senior at the University of Pennsylvania, who has been doing research at the University of Pennsylvania Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology. So, Sam, as an anthropology major, you have had the opportunity to use the latest technology to examine ancient specimens. What are some of the projects you have been working on? So most recently, we've just finished working on a project, CT scanning some of the heads from ore that are for the most that are now on display um, in the new exhibit that's in the museum. And we've also been working on CT scanning the mummies that are on display as well. And what else have I been up to? Oh, um, a couple of archaeology projects, uh, one in Malvern, Pennsylvania, and another one in central Italy. You said in a previous interview, I think people are just starting to realize how useful this kind of imaging technology, the CT um, technology you were just talking about, can be um, in applications other than medicine. So how does the CT scan process work exactly? So basically what CT scanning is, is essentially a three-dimensional x-ray. So we take specimens from the museum on a cart and we wheel them over to the hospital, University of Pennsylvania, every Sunday morning about 7 o'clock. And they, we use their CT scanning machines that they usually use for medical purposes, but that early on a Sunday morning, they don't have any patients that are using them, so we get to. And you basically, it's a giant tube that you put the specimen onto the bed, and it goes through the machine, um, which has lasers that rotate around it. The lasers essentially take an X-ray image of the specimen every millimeter, through the whole specimen, and it goes front, back, top, bottom, left, right. And then we get all of those images on a disk, and we have some special software that we use to then compile them and put them back together in the right order. So you can look at them either as the individual images, or you can have the computer reconstruct them into a 3D model. So what do you hope to learn from scanning these mummies? From scanning the mummies, we actually hope to kind of get any information that we can from them. They're still wrapped, so they've never been looked at. Um, so we're, you know, just looking for even basic things like age of the person when they died, whether they're male or female, um, anything that we can tell about maybe their health. So anything like if they have osteoporosis or if they're got signs of malnutrition, anything like that. Um, right now we're basically, we're just looking at the basics of these mummies and trying to find out what they tell us. And then once we find those things, we can kind of reframe our question and look more specifically at certain things, but we're still working on the initial analysis of them. Okay. How long does this usually take to uh, maybe photograph one specimen? The actual CT scan itself takes two to three minutes for say, a skull or something like that. When we do the mummies, it takes a little bit longer because they're much bigger. But the actual, the whole process from CT scanning it to getting it available, we have an online archive for researchers around the world to use. So by the time it's CT scanned and actually gets on that archive and is available for everybody, it probably usually takes us about a week. As we advance, sometimes we forget why it's important to look at the past. What would you say are some of the major reasons we should stay connected to our past? And what have you learned through working with the mummies and other um, specimens? It's a good question. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons to stay connected with the past is that humans 
haven't changed as much as I think we would like to think. You know, our technology has advanced, but basically we're still all the same. We still do the same kinds of things. And it's interesting to look at how people's attitudes have changed, yes, but also how people are still the same. And then from there, kind of how that defines us as being human and how does that make us different from, you know, anything else that's on the planet. So it's interesting to look at and um, working with the mummies has been kind of cool because they obviously have a completely different, you know, burial custom than anything we're used to today. But you still do see some basic trends. I mean, I've worked with child mummies and things like that. And there's, you know, the the way people treat their children versus the way you treat older people and, you know, men versus women and those kinds of things are it, that kind of stuff hasn't changed at all. It's interesting. The internet has flattened our world by providing everyone with a server access to information. How has the CT scan technology coupled with the internet enabled others from around the world to learn about what you have worked on at Penn? And are there other technologies you have worked with or see yourself working with in the near future? So the CT scan technology, as I was kind of mentioning before, we have an online archive for all of our CT scans, which is great because any anybody anywhere in the world can request our CT scans and we do it for free. We just burn them onto DVDs and we send them out to whoever wants to study them. And that I think, you know, is kind of in the spirit of collaboration, kind of encourages people to, you know, work together in a sense. And it's it's also good because you don't have to come to Philadelphia now if you want to study these things. Um, so it kind of allows our collection to be open to a much wider range of people. You know, just using CT scans themselves um, actually helps save our collections. It keeps them from being handled as often, which keeps them from being damaged, things like that. So it, you know, helps us and it helps other people. Um, as far as other technologies, I think science is kind of, or at least anthropology, this kind of anthropology is going more and more towards this kind of computer modeling thing because it does save our collections. And since times have changed, we don't really get any new things in our collection. You know, we're not going to be getting any new Egyptian mummies or anything like that. So we want to preserve what we do have. And we can do that better by using things like CT scans. And then um, anthropology in general is just kind of moving more towards technology. Some of the projects that we've been working on have been utilizing a lot of like new lab technologies like isotope studies and things like that that we didn't really have access to in the past. So your interest in anthropology has brought you to Duffy's Cut in Malvern, Pennsylvania, uh, the site of a mass grave of Irish immigrant workers that were building a railroad in 1832. What is the story surrounding the site and how do you and others working there piece together the workers' stories? So Duffy's Cut is kind of an interesting place. Um, it's, a, as you had said, the site of a mass grave of Irish immigrant workers who all died building this specific mile of railroad in 1832. And basically what they were doing was leveling out a giant like ravine in the middle of the forest so that the tracks could pass over it. So they're basically building a, you know, a mountain. <laughs> um, and the the official railroad story was that these men um, all got sick and died of cholera in 1832. Um, we've been working, the two people that are responsible for starting this whole project are Frank and Bill Watson, who are at um, Maculata College. And they did a lot of research into it and 
and found out that there is some evidence for actually a railroad cover-up going on at this time. So they have a hypothesis that maybe all these people didn't actually die of cholera. Maybe there's, you know, something a little bit more nefarious going on. And, you know, they would like to say that they were all murdered and buried in this hillside. And we don't know that to be true, but that's why we've started doing the archaeology. Um, and it's what we found so far, actually, from digging is that the story says that all of these people were buried on giant wooden sledges and just kind of buried like that in the hillside together. And what we found so far, actually, from digging is that they do have coffins. So that's a little bit different. would imply that they took a little bit more time in the burial than, than what the other story would suggest. So it's interesting. As field supervisor on the excavation project, what are some of your responsibilities? And how is your work on the site different from that in the museum? Being a field supervisor is quite different from working in the museum. Uh, first of all, you have to you know, go out and get dirty, uh, sit in the mud, <laughs> sometimes the rain <laughs> for hours on end. But it's as, you know, my job out there in the field is to be, partly to teach, so to make sure that everybody out there knows the proper procedures for digging and for documenting and photographing and all of those kinds of things. And then also to be able to look at the site and tell what's happening. Um, a lot of archaeology is actually very kind of minute changes in soil color or soil composition uh, and things like that. And you have to be able to look at it and recognize that, you know, this change means something, but this change over here probably doesn't. And those kinds of things, which just takes a lot of practice. And in, out there, you know, you're working with things like shovels and picks, whereas in the museum, I'm often working with artifacts and computers and things like that. So it's a little, kind of the opposite end. How did you become involved with these projects? And since when did you know that you wanted to study anthropology? I decided when I was about nine that I wanted to be an archaeologist. And... I remember my mom kind of saying to me, you know, that's great, but you don't really know what archaeology is. So when I was in high school, I actually volunteered uh, in Connecticut with the Connecticut State Archaeologist for a couple summers doing archaeology projects with him. And I thought that was the greatest thing ever. And that was the first time that I got to work with uh, human remains. So working with them and excavating them and things like that. So that's pretty much when I decided that you know, I, I wanted I wanted to do archaeology, but I really wanted to work with skeletons and mummies and things like that. So I also in high school, when I was starting to look at what college I wanted to go to, um, my mom had a friend who worked at Penn and had just mentioned to her that they had this museum. So I came by to, to look at it and I actually ran into Janet Monge in the hallway and started talking to her and she offered me a job over the summer if I wanted it. And so I've been here researching ever since. And I think... Um, because I've been here for a while, Janet's actually done a lot to help, you know, when, when projects come across her desk, things like that. She usually mentions it to me and sees if I want to want to work on them and things like that. So I think I owe a lot of what I do to her. Uh, you touched on this a little earlier, but do you see the way anthropologists work changing in the coming years? Yeah, kind of, you know, mostly what I had said before was just that there's an increasing movement towards technology and some of the technology is to help conserve artifacts. You know, using the CT scans and things helps us a lot with that. 
some of the technology is actually destructive also. When I, I mentioned doing things like isotope studies earlier, that in order to do that, you have to destroy samples. Um, so there's good and bad to those kinds of things. But we do get a lot of information from those that there's really no other way to get, which is uh, partly why I think technology is becoming so much more important now than it has been in the past is because we know all the old techniques for doing things, kind of the manual techniques, um, and people want to see what else these objects can tell us that maybe you can't necessarily see or infer. So there's, it's, it's definitely going in that direction. Even in archaeology, people are starting to use things like magnetometry and ground-penetrating radar to try and map sites before you even dig them. So to, to if you have wall ruins or something underneath the kind of look at where all the walls and things are before you dig so you can figure out the most promising places. And um, even up, up in Duffy's Cut, we use magnetometry to, to locate where we thought the burials would be, just looking for kind of anomalies under the ground before we started digging. So, you know, even those kinds of things where you still a lot of manual labor and hard work, but even, even out there, we're starting to use more and more technology. Well, thank you, Sam, for being with us today. Yeah, thank you.